I was looking at the beer label of this Finback beer that I was drinking the other day. And I started reading the hop list aloud to Danny, who was in the other room, who had asked me what the hops were. And I finished it and she was like, you know, when you do it like that, it sounds like you're speaking a Star Wars language. And I realized that truly, if you say any kind of hop in a sort of deep booming voice, it becomes a, so like, And you, I'm going to say a thing and then you say something back to me and we'll have a little Star Wars conversation. This is going to be great, I promise. It's great audio. Citra. I don't know hop. Citra cryo. <laughs> Sabra cryo. <laughs> we can't go after the droids. They're too far away. Motuka. So many. So many. So many. Damn books. Hi, Drew. Hi, Christopher. Welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you so much. We're excited because it is March and there's tournament stuff to talk about. But first. Yes. First, there's a drink that I'm calling uh, a gin and tonic. That's two ingredients. Nice. Only two. No, no lime for you. Well, here's the thing is I've been, as the pandemic has stretched on and on, since I have been buying fewer drinks out in the world, mm-hmm. I have been spending more and more money on more and more beautiful bottles of gin. And uh-huh. now I just want to taste like the really beautiful gin flavor. So this time I, um, there's a Hendrix variant called lunar gin oh yeah which i was expecting to have some sort of color to it or anything and instead it's just the lightest smoothest like botanical gin it's got a great like floral nose and i have just i keep buying really really nice tonic as well um my local grocery store has i think like nine different flavors of tonic whoa so i just you know there's fever tree variants and q tonic variants and so i just have like the craziest gin and tonic bar and i highly recommend doing this for yourself because it's like you know it's like being at a bar Uh uh-huh only you know three drinks didn't cost you 45 (laughs) dollars so so that's my and and i think it's the, the the best way to um to sit down and read the tournament of books is after the fires of the commentaria have, you know, uh-huh. burned down in the evening and you can just pour yourself a gin and tonic and enjoy everybody else fighting and you just <laughs> lording over it. Like, ha oh. <laughs> I just have my gin and tonic. I don't know. I don't need to, you know, go forth into the fray. Right. All right. What'd you buy? What's what's the latest gin you bought to start off? What'd you buy? It doesn't have to be included, but I'm just curious. I bought that whale gin after you told me about it. So, do you like it? I do. It's great. The most recent one I bought is a gunpowder Irish gin, 
And gunpowder, I guess, um, refers to the Chinese green tea, mm-hmm. which is vapor tea. distilled. Yeah, into the into the gin. It's Ooh. a gorgeous bottle. Um, it's it's way more expensive than the gins I usually buy, but it's just um, it's really really neat. So I bought that. Cool. And then um, I saw this book cover on Restless Books Instagram. And it's just so beautiful with mm-hmm. gold foil, um, like breaking up a, like the bottom side of a chip. Mm-hmm. So it's got this really nice gold foil. And the novel's called Bug by Giacomo Sartori. And it's translated from the Italian by Frederica Randall. And it concerns a, I mean, I'm going to just read this because it sounds so good. Brings us to madcap story of family dysfunction, disability, intelligent robots, bees, and a family of misfit savants living outside the bounds. And they live in a um, converted chicken coop. Oh, it sounds so good. And it is a beautiful (laughs) cover. Beautiful cover. And Restless Books always has some really fun, interesting translated work. And then I also got, um, we, we got sent from Algonquin Books. I cannot wait for Caitlin Greenidge's new novel, Liberty. Yeah. Looks really cool. And, um, you know, we, we had Caitlin on for We Love You, Charlie Freeman. It was an amazing novel. So I can't re- wait to read her in a different mode. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, we've talked about this before. We've seen people do it that moment where like, okay, you've had a successful novel. What's the history thing you want to write? And it's always Mm -hmm. so interesting to see what that is. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's like Amelia Gray when she did threats after, I mean, not threats. Uh, Isadora. uh, Isadora after threats. Right. So that's, that's what's on deck for me. Reading slump over. I feel much, much more normal. What about you? What did you have? You, you bought some gin, and I assume you've bought beer because you've been you're you have some nice distilleries up there. Do you have a recent beer you've bought? I just bought uh, emotional support beer from Woodstock Brewing up the street. Uh-huh. Um, and sweet of them. Uh, some of the barrel aged abandoned hard cider. Um, they are a five minute drive from me. It's a very dangerous thing. Uh, but then in terms of books, we got sent, uh, from our friends over at Tin House, a copy of the paperback. I'd specifically asked for the paperback because the paperback has, I love the cover, uh, Famous Men Who Never Lived by Kay Chess. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, slipstream sci-fi novel-ish where there's some... At some point, our reality and the one next door diverged sometime around the early 1900s. I think it's like ni- it looks like 1910. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a huge series of terrorist attacks that take out a bunch of nuclear power plants in this alternate reality at more or less the same time that they develop a portal that's able to open into Greenwood Cemetery. I think it's Greenwood Cemetery. It's somewhere in... Uh, New York City. And so like 100,000 people or so managed to make it through this portal before 
I mean, they don't know what happens, but it's this, it's a really lovely um, idea and I'm excited to see how, how it gets played with it. It looks like it's an immigrant novel, but in a way that universalizes the immigrant experience, like by that idea mm. that these hundred thousand people might look, uh, you know, like cishet white people, but they are also being discriminated against, but in a way that isn't, at least it seems like it's going to be in a way that isn't like, ah, and white people get discriminated against too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about it. It feels like, like it, like classic sci-fi in that way mm-hmm. that it, you know, forces you to recontextualize the world around you. Yeah, oh, that sounds great for it. And like I said, it's a beautiful cover. Always give me a beautiful cover, man. <laughs> Well, there are a lot of beautiful covers in the uh, tournament this year. Yes, there are. <laughs> Shout out to the very pretty merch this year that uh, Andrew Womack and Rosecrans Baldwin are hawking for the tournament. There is a very cool looking shirt that has all of the titles on it. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it's like pretty books, inspiring, pretty clothes. It's a, it's a, we love to see the life cycle. Yes, we do. And we should say for the few people that are just discovering our show and the tournament of books, what we're talking about is the website, themorningnews.org puts on this March Madness style bracket of fiction of 16 to 18 books from the last year that they put up against each other. Literary blood sport. This is the 17th year. 17th year. Wild. Yeah. It just, uh, it is nice that it like, it just keeps going. It does just keep going. You know? And there's some incredible books, uh, this year do we want to just read out all the titles or yeah sure we... do you want to just alternate back and forth down the bracket sure we have deacon king kong tender is the flesh a children's bible memorial transcendent kingdom we ride upon sticks interior chinatown luster shuggy bane telephone pier anisi Breasts and Eggs, The Vanishing Half, Leave the World Behind, Sharks in the Time of Saviors, The Down Days, Red Pill, and The Resisters. Caca! Caca, so those are the those are the combatants. Boy, I mean, there were some of the abs- some of my absolute favorite books of the last year are in this. It's a really I- strong bracket this year. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm basically just trying to map out all the different ways that Piranesi could win <laughs> because I just think that that was an incredible, unbelievable reading experience. Yeah, uh, I agree. That, that also kind of encapsulates 2020. So to me, it's, it's my favorite to win. It's my favorite of the tournament. It is the one to beat. I feel like even if it gets beaten, it was so widely loved that it could come back as a zombie. 
what where what what about you do you have a favorite do you have one that you're like rooting for from the very start well it's always that thing is that if if it's me picking all the books versus what do i think is going to win because i'm trying to win the bet with you uh it's tough that this feels like i don't know it's a it's a year of heartbreaks particularly in the opening round like uh, lydia millet's a children's bible going up against brian washington's memorial oh my god the second day of the bracket i'm just like oh come on Uh, yeah you you can't even like you know there's some things in this list that you know weren't my favorites of the year or ones that i just haven't even gotten to yet and I wish I wish that those were going up against some of my favorites rather than my favorites fighting against each other. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think that I, having done my math, I feel like the final to me ends up the vanishing half versus Memorial. But I really, I feel like the vanishing half is one of those, like, I haven't read it yet. It's one of the last two books that I have to get to. And honestly, I'm taking my time because I feel like I have time because I'm not expecting it to get knocked out for good at any point. Um, mm-hmm. But it's one of those books that just seems like everybody is like, yeah, it's a great book. And that sort of consensus favorite, you know? We both put it in our final. You know, we yeah. both think that it, it's it's sort of vanishing half's game to lose. I think so. I think of the two, I would, I mean, I haven't read Vanishing Half, so I don't know. I loved Memorial and that, it feels like that book might have sort of, where from everything I've heard about Vanishing Half, it's like, it's a great novel kind of built in a classic mode. You, you described it as, is Britt Bennett doing Toni Morrison, which sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Memorial, I feel like is the more, I don't know, the more adventurous novel. Like it's trying a couple more things. It's a little more, not idiosyncratic. Um, it feels like it's sort of a um, structurally like the future of the novel mm-hmm. in a way that that's where my money goes. But also who knows? I think, I think there are going to be some upsets. Um, and I think honestly, the first one is going to, I mean, by the time this airs, people will know if I'm wrong or not. Um, but we both, I think, have Tender as the Flesh winning over Deacon King Kong on day one. Um, Tender as the Flesh, w- weird novel, great novel. I haven't read either of them. Um, and, you know, this was a really, I mean, every year I'm always the one that's behind you as far as. Uh, reading the entire list but both of those books just I I could never get them out of my head uh, as anything other than homework reading sure you know I like they felt like cultural touchstones but just as far as like literal back of the book summary they never didn't they didn't get me did you like the good lord bird James McBride's previous book his rooster winning previous book uh, which it's always fun when a rooster winner gets knocked out in an opening round match. Yeah, I mean it's 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 wild when that happens. Um, Good Lord Bird was one of those books that I wanted some other book to be winning, and Good Lord Bird kept winning. And I think that my opinion of the book is now sort of 
poisoned by that because I, I liked it a lot. But looking back at sort of the way that the tournament turns you against books, <laughs> um, you know, I think that my my opinion is a little warped because of it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But people love D. King King Kong too. There's always books that I didn't quite get to or they didn't hit me in the way that they hit the culture mm-hmm. that I then um, discount. And then, ooh, I'm so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean like, like this is the thing is i say this every year but the one that i i shouldn't go so hard for the one that i love because i'm so so wrong every year <laughs> so all i'm doing is like ruining piranesi's chances <laughs> <laughs> you, you are the jinx me i'm the yeah you know like they're growing up my i was a, a san diego chargers football fan and uh, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a difficult sure. franchise to root for. And also, I felt like my attention on them really ruined their chances. Oh yeah. Hey, look it it's uh it's time to be thinking about sports and all the ways that we ordinary human beings, usually sitting in our homes, maybe under better circumstances in the stands, uh, definitely through our individual attentions can affect the outcomes of sporting events as though Mm -hmm. we are unto gods. When I was in college, man, I'd be like, okay, we're winning. It's time for me to go. And the minute I would walk out of the row, the other team would score a touchdown every single time. And so I was like, okay, I guess I have to stay here. And then if you lose, it's like, okay, what else? I don't know. It's it's nonsense. And yet, (laughs) right now, you and I are sitting here making these brackets being like, I don't know, maybe we can... Maybe we can blow on the dice before it hits the table and change something. Mm-hmm. We know we've been around long enough and also are lucky enough to be friends with the folks at the morning news. We know that the first round at this point is already done in locked right. over probably the second. They're probably getting close to finishing the final at this point. Mm-hmm. And so it really is like, it's all, it's all decided already. We just don't know. And yet, could something that we do change, split the universe? You know what I mean? Mm. Butterfly flaps its wings, baby. And you and I, this podcast is the butterfly. Well, I do like to think that because, let's see, when I look at this list, I see that, you know, we had Quan Berry on to talk mm-hmm. about We Ride Upon Sticks. We had Raven Leilani on to talk about Luster. We had Rumin Alam on to talk about Leave the World Behind. You know, and these are our, these are our contestants. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like there's, there's a part of our attention that, that brings this further into the culture. Yeah. This is the self-aggrandizing hour of so many <laughs> damn books. Thank you so yeah. much for joining in. We have no, we, we know we have no actual influence. Come on. My, here's my question to you, Drew. Yeah. Say you've written and finished and published your novel and it becomes a tournament uh, combatant. Uh-huh. Would you read the morning news? Oh, hell yeah. I'd be one of those people who's like getting in knife fights in the comments. <laughs> who I, did I mean, that? It's also... who, who said that? I don't remember who was like, who actually went into the comments to start talking about their book. 
I feel I people have done it recently. I feel like it's been a long time since we've had somebody come into the comments angry. Mm-hmm. Um, because for the most part, I think people are like, you know, every, everybody has a sense. Thanks like, for reading me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I I mean, it's also that weird question of like, if you or I got published and ended up with it, like we already show up in the comments anyway. And so then is it weirder if we don't, don't you think that people will know, like they'll all just be sitting there being like, you know, Christopher, come out to play. You know what I mean? I don't think I would, this is the thing is I don't think I would be able to because like just the way that- Cause you would get into a knife fight in the comments? No, I just don't like, um, I, there are so many, I'm going to use the word petty just because something else isn't coming to mind, but there's so many little reasons that you j- just decide that, like, eh, not for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people are really honest about those um, in the comments. And I think I, it would just kill me to read the petty, smaller reasons that people like decided not to engage with my book. Oh, sure. So I feel the, like, like I, I was feel like that would just cause... kill me. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The thing that has nothing to do with you that for whatever reason skews, that's interesting. To me, it's like um, it's like reading your Amazon reviews and you see that all, your rating has been lowered just because your book has a deckle edge and people keep like, <laughs> <laughs> my book got ruined in the mail. You know, yeah. I'm just like, why is that? <laughs> One star. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I hate that, man. That That is infuriating. Yeah. So there's, I think I would be too infuriated. I think I would have to just step away from the um, the the proceedings that year. Yeah, that I feel like in some ways that's the um, probably the wiser choice. I'm just, it's that West Wing episode where Josh Lyman starts commenting on the message board that's like a Josh fan board, and it's based on when Aaron Sorkin started commenting on the Television Without Pity boards, and he was just like destroyed and was sort of like, I don't understand. I'm just here to help you understand my show. And they were all like, shut up, you big idiot. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) That's the thing. You kind of want to, you want to be able to like snark without pity. You know, you want to. Sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, right. It changes when suddenly. Yeah. So we do a thing every year and it's, we're kind of cheating because we both, we're both winners this year, but we do a thing where the, uh, we make a, a bet about what we think will win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're allowed to amend that bet when it gets to the day before the final and neither of the books that we chose to be in the final <laughs> end up in the final. But, and then we get to whoever wins, we do a backlist episode for yeah. somebody who they, choose yes you said you think piranesi is going to win the whole thing yeah i feel like it has the path to win it i i would say that that has the the easiest walk out of its own bracket anyway Hmm. i feel like the left side to me is where the heartbreak lies the right side of the bracket is a little more um i feel like those matchups seem easier Mm. to predict anyway so and so you're saying memorial yeah i feel 70 percent confident about this choice hmm. 
which is uh, it feels pretty good. I feel 110% confident. <laughs> <laughs> We're still looking for that uh, extra 20% that got lost somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's so that's that. I mean, you can look on our Twitter um, for our initial bracketologies. Yeah, you can see by the time you're listening to this, you'll know whether or not our brackets have been ruined, probably. And we will be doing some just chill hangouts uh, with our patrons. If you want to become a patron of so many damn books for just one month, this is the month to do it because we do a little we. We do a little more hangouting, hangouting, hanging out, you might say. <laughs> hangouting, it just means we're using Google. Ah, but we won't be. No. <laughs> so, so become a patron if you'd like to joining us. Oh, man, I cannot. <laughs> if you'd like to joining us. Everything is a gerund. Ha ha. <laughs> Anyway, you can find all this at www.patreon.com slash smdb. Yes, you can. All right. Should you we recommend? recommend something? Yeah. We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Yeah. All right. So I... I'm going to recommend three things, but they're connected. It's three books. I've recently started working on some fiction that involves theater. I don't know why it has taken me so long to figure out that this is a thing I know a lot about and (laughs) can incorporate very easily into fiction. Um, But I ended up kind of unintentionally reading three pieces of fiction about um, theater in some way back to back to back more or less or as back to back as anything is for me the first one is called we play ourselves by mm-hmm. jen silverman uh jen is a playwright whose work i am familiar with i've seen some of her shows the novel is it's it's i don't know i have a, an interesting standpoint on it because it's like a playwright um after a humiliating scandal to quote the back copy, uh, a playwright in New York leaves for LA and ends up starting to work with a filmmaker in LA. And I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, particularly in this past year, um, as I watch many playwrights get paid very, very well to write for TV and movies, particularly right now when plays aren't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just really enjoyed it. I think Jen is a fascinating playwright and I love seeing people shift um, and the ways in which knowing Jen as a playwright, I'm like, oh, right. You can both tell that it's a playwright writing a novel and it feels like a terrific novel that stands on its own. Um, and I don't know, I don't wanna to say too much about it because I think that the jacket copy says a lot you know this idea of like a a semi-documentary film that it has like a fight club for girls um that's a pretty narrow specific pitch but the way that the novel plays it out it happens differently or it happens in a way that doesn't feel like the obvious way Mm -hmm. um so 
That's number one. Number two is Alison Epstein's debut novel, A Tip for the Hangman, which is about Christopher Marlowe, uh, my uh, second favorite, my actual favorite Elizabethan playwright. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there's always been rumors that Marlowe was a spy and that that's why he got got as a young man. Um, but this novel imagines that. It's basically that at Cambridge, he gets plucked out of school by uh, Walsingham and sent as a servant to Mary Queen of Scots's house. And so he like finds his way in and ends up uh, breaking a cipher that reveals the plans for the Spanish invasion to put Mary back on the throne. Um, and then it jumps forward in time and it's sort of like, you get both the uh, the first mission and then the like, I was out for five years and they pulled me back in mission. But it's also, mm-hmm. it's all Elizabethan England. Um, mm. It's a lot of fun. It It is one of those books that I read in like two and a half days. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just everything that I adored about historical fiction. Um, Christopher Marlowe is awesome. He's queer and funny and infinitely better than William Shakespeare. And you can tell the guys at No Holds Barred I said so. Um, but speaking of Shakespeare, book number three, so far maybe the best book I've read this year, A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. It is not a perfect book. It's flawed in a couple of major ways, including like the female characters are mostly just sketches, but it is uh, this hotshot Hollywood actor in the middle of getting a divorce from his superstar musician wife who has taken his first Broadway role and it's playing Hotspur in a production of Henry IV. Mm -hmm. And the way that he was able, I've never read another book that so perfectly captures what it feels like to be on stage doing Shakespeare specifically and like the things that come out of that experience. I don't, I don't know how to describe it to people who haven't performed on stage and found that like electric energetic love for performance, but the way, and it's also, I happen to know Henry the fourth very well, the way Mm -hmm. he's describing the, the arc of like this matinee performance for a bunch of school kids or the first preview performance or this thing that happens in rehearsal or the way that like showmances develop, the conversation with the older statesmen of the group in a way that like the, the plot sort of falls by the wayside. Like it, it's important and there is an arc to it, but it's just one of our greatest living American Shakespearean actors writing a novel that somehow captures the energy of being on stage in a Shakespeare play. Um, it just blew me away. I loved it so, so, so much. Yeah. All right, what do you got? I read in one sitting, it's not that hard because it's pretty short and it's illustrated, um, Forsyth Harmon's Justine out from Tin House. Um, it's not completely illustrated. It's illustrated in this sort of text decoration way. Every now and then you'll get a spot key art. You know, like she mm-hmm. um, she starts working at a um, 
the main character starts working at a sort of gas station um quickie mart type of place mm-hmm. and when she's given her key to her register it comes with a tamagotchi on it and it's <laughs> like you have to take care of the tamagotchi as well um and you know you get the drawing of the tamagotchi and cool. so it's set set very much in 1999 <laughs> <laughs> if, if that wasn't enough um and it's just it just hits fast hard heartbreak characterization it's, it's like a you know it's sort of one character just getting that sort of you know that intense crush on another mm-hmm. person and wanting to be like them and and live like them and know them intimately and it's you know shoplifting and you know it's that sort of um childhood or young adulthood sort of feel and i just loved it cool and then i just completely fell into giant days um suzanne was totally right john allison's um it's it's set in college and you're just following these three characters and they have very you know they're discovering themselves and it was just totally sweet i bought like a a, um a lot of five more volumes because i was like so excited about uh, about reading more there's 14 volumes in the series there's no omnibus yet which is very disappointing and expensive but (laughs) luckily there's like people who have bundled them on ebay and stuff nice uh so all right well we'll see you guys in the comments right yeah we gotta go um i don't know rest get ready for the next round right count our chickens (laughs) oh